Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. Uh, welcome back. Uh, I do have to apologize. It has been a little bit of a, of a time. Um, we've been a little bit busy with all sorts of things. You know, life happens. Family coming, going. Uh, work. You know, it's... Etc. Man, as you know, SOL. You know, at, at times. Uh, and so... Here we are, though, back again. Ka-chow. And we brought to you, you know, since it has been some time, we said, why not just make it one thing? You know, let's talk about three things. Let's let's really cram in as much as we can to make up for the fact that we've been away from y'all for a while. So as, as a little mea culpa, you know, a, a little uh, olive branch, if you will, to you dear listeners... Today is a, is a whole big special three-part episode. We've got one main review and then two little tiny reviews uh, for you, but it's going to be a fun time. Uh, dear, how are you? How is it talking to the listeners again? Um, it's good. It's good. Um, you know, uh, spring, is, spring is out and about, you know, as we're, as we're chatting right now. The sun is still up and it's a work day. I just, I just don't even know what to, what to do with myself right now. We're, we're listening to these lovely listeners. You heard me. <laughs> and we're having a great time. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, you know, I don't disagree. It is nice to finally be in, in spring proper. I love winter, but at a certain point, you know, it has started to get to be more of a drag. Yeah. Uh, when the days get so short. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the cold. I think for me, it's really the, the, the daylight issue. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I could manage the cold the lack of daylight at like five o'clock. Oh my gosh. It's just starts terrible. Starts to, starts to suck. It was just, it was just so hard to, you know, like drive in with like the sunrise and then like drive home with the sunset. Like literally like the sun would leave the sky and we would be pulling into the driveway. Yeah. You know, it'd be like finally hitting true dark uh, as we arrived. And just, um, just garbage, <laughs> just absolute garbage. So that kind of sucked. Um, but it is now finally spring, and that's that's great. Um, since the last time that we we were here, you know, we've seen all sorts of stuff, and honestly, like I've had a great time at the movies lately. Yeah, yeah, we've we've been having a, a blast, honestly, driving over to Raleigh and whatnot. Yeah, uh, holler at, holler at the uh, the Alamo Raleigh. Yeah, yeah, for being um, the closest Alamo to us. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh. Negative shout out to Alamo Corporate. Why is it in Charlotte? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. This is these are all of the questions. I have questions I need answers. I mean there's a defunct theater right near us. You can just put it right there. Boom. It's got a kitchen. Bam. We've we figured it out for you. Get it together. Um, and it looks like it's in a shopping center that used to have a blockbuster. So, so there um, you go. It's right up your alley. You, Come you on. can even have the video rental stuff there. You know, people, people flock to it. Yeah. Yeah. And white people live here. So you know that they have money. <laughs> so pull, come on down. <laughs> it's that kind of show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I apologize, I apologize. 
But really, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic. <laughs> but Come no, on. I, Come on. I would really enjoy uh, the optics you know, are good. Not having to go that far. Mm-hmm. So, or you know, put it at least put one in Winston Salem where there is literally a college of film. I mean, that makes that makes a lot of sense as well. So minimum. But we've got like one in the whole state of Up North your Carolina. Presence. Virginia has two. Up your presence, Alamo. Oh yeah, and one of them is in Winchester. Winchester. <laughs> Some rich guy invested big. That's what happened. Oh, Some yeah. really rich person lives in Winchester. Oh yeah. And he 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 went up there to Alamo and he said, "Hey, eh? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's there, George <laughs> Foreman." <laughs> um. But no, it. it uh, I really enjoy the Alamo franchise, and we have gone there several several times, as you will hear in our discussion today mm-hmm. uh two out of three movies were watched at the alamo and raleigh um but uh no it's been a good time and honestly like in general i've had a really good time at the movies for the most part we'll talk about that again a little bit later when we talk about what we have been watching since our last episode whenever that was um many moons ago um so yeah it's gonna be a good show but today as I have said, we've got three things for you. I mean, you clicked on it. You know. You know. But we're going to list them out anyway. Because, duh, some people don't read. <laughs> That's what I've learned from my job, honestly, is that some people just don't read a damn thing. That's right. So here you are. <laughs> Put on your listening ears. Uh-huh. So, if you didn't read the title, this one's for you. Uh, we are going to be reviewing Ithaca, we are going to be reviewing Creed 3, and we are going to be reviewing John Wick Chapter 4. So it's going to be one main review on Ithaca, which was a really incredible opportunity thanks to uh, a shout-out that came from the North Carolina Film Critics Association. Um, and then we'll be doing two little micro-reviews of recent things in theaters that we've seen uh, that we wanted to talk about. Especially since we did Creed and Rocky earlier in the month. Yes. So, uh, let's, I guess, go ahead and without any further ado, dive on into it. All right, let's do it. So, our first film is Ithaca, which is a really interesting film. It's a touring documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some films, a lot of independent films, not some films, pretty much every independent film if it makes money, it makes its money touring. Mm-hmm. Um, it does contests, it travels around, um, and, you know, that that's the way that it, it does its whole shtick. Uh, with the particular instance of uh, something like Kevin Smith, that's just how he enjoys to go and do some of his releases. He's gone and done, like, multiple road shows where the way that he has released his movie is not, like, a big, big theatrical release. He just goes and tours with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he puts it on VOD. Uh, with the film Ithaca, it's a documentary that came out of, um, you know, partly Australian production, uh, you know, because they're Australian citizens and it was backed by, by some of that. Um, and 
it is a traveling show that has actually been touring since 2021. Okay, okay, so two years? Mm-hmm. And, like I said, we got a shout-out in the North Carolina Film Critics Association about this documentary about Julian Assange. Probably one of the most controversial figures that you, like, have heard about just in some context, but I imagine that it's probably a nebulous one unless you're, like, really tapped into certain, like, sociopolitical feeds, you know? Um, for, for those that might have a passing knowledge, he's the man that is behind WikiLeaks, you know. Uh, and so this email went out and it said that there was going to be a, a showing of it at Alamo Drafthouse and it was going to be a Q&A with the director and, uh, John Shipton. Julian Assange's father and brother. And I went, oh, you know, like I was, I was fascinated by that sort of opportunity. Um, and I really hadn't heard about this documentary in any context until this email. And I said, well, I have to go. I mean, obviously. <laughs> um, a documentary about one of the most politically divisive figures, you know, of the, of the modern landscape, his father and brother, the people that made this film, they're going to be there. I have to go. Uh, and so I got two seats and, we went down uh, to Raleigh. We actually made a whole day of it. We did a double feature of Scream in this movie, but don't worry about that. Ha um, <laughs> ha It was perfect. Perfect day. Uh, and the uh, film, the premise of the film, uh, officially, is Julian Assange remains a remand prisoner at UK's maximum security Belmarsh Prison as he appeals an extradition order to the U.S. where he could face 175 years in prison for his role in the release of classified U.S. diplomatic files. Uh, it is directed by Ben Lawrence, written by Ben Lawrence, um, and the main characters of the film are Stella Morris, Julian Assange's fiance, uh, and the mother of two of his children, and John Shipton, his father. Uh, the film came out, like I said, technically in 2021, um, but it is a touring show, and so they go around and they do these Q&As uh, that are also affiliated with, like, groups that uh, raise awareness for Julian Assange's cause and, <clears throat> and that sort of thing. Uh, and this one was put on uh, by, by some of those groups as well. This screening was put on by groups that are interested in uh, overturning his his conviction. Um, and so I guess with all that said, uh, I'll turn it over to you, dear. What did you think of Ithaca? I thought that this documentary was very interesting. Um, aside from the, the whole experience of like sitting next to like the one person on our row that was like this old man. Um, <laughs> Which was a whole experience in itself. Um, but no, I, I honestly, I, I walked into this film not knowing anything about it and walked away learning more, more. Um, but did, have I looked up any more about Julian Assange since then? No, not even a little bit. Um, so, so, blindly going into to history, here we go. Um, no, I really liked the documentary. I thought that it was really interesting. Um, following his dad was nuts. Um, 
his dad has like a five-year-old child even though he's like 76 he's 76 and it's like a whole point of the film is like his his like his his love for his daughter and i and i just it raised a lot of questions for me mainly about this man's personal life um but then also we get to follow his uh Julian's fiance and and she seems very interesting. She seems she seems more normal than his father does. Um But you know, um you love who you love and she ended up falling in love with this guy. Um I don't I gosh, I wish I knew more really I guess about him. Um, All right, let me ask. Let me ask before we continue further with the film. Okay, what fantastic. in literally any context was your previous understanding, if any, of Julian Assange? I had never heard of this person before in in, in time space continuum ever. I, I this is talking Complete to you, blip. talking to you about this film when you when you suggested us going to Raleigh to do this was the very first time that I was hearing about this person that everybody else in the house had had a very strong reaction to. The, the moment of. that the name came up. Yeah, and me, I was I who? You're over here like Harry Potter where everyone is talking about either Voldemort or he who must not be named. And you're like, who is this man? <laughs> no, literally, you know, I'm, I'm new in town. <laughs> I'm new to these parts. What on earth are you talking about? And so, like, this, this whole thing about, you know, like, this... this this big scandal that happened, um, it, it just completely missed me, apparently, entirely. Um, so I'm playing a lot of catch-up. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and first off, you know, I have to put this out here. This man's name is not a real person's name. Like, if I was writing this book, never would I ever, you know, expect expect this combination of name to happen. You know, it sounds like a, like a brand in itself. Um like cologne or something. Um, I think that this is nuts though, um, to, to get more on track of, of what this, this film is about. I think that it's nuts that this man is, is locked up for, for, I guess what I'm, what I'm gathering is that he created a website and people put things on that website and, and now he's in trouble for the things that were put on the website. Um, because he's, he put his, his John Hancock on a motherfucker. Um, and and then they pulled him out of the the embassy and now he is in maximum security prison of unholy godness um which is just absolute terrible he's he's he at one point hadn't seen like another human being in like the 23 hours of the day or something like that like every day he would only see like a person for like a blip of his time no for sure um uh, so he has been like a a hacktivist for a long term period of time. Would probably be like one of his his sort of key terms. He did, in fact, WikiLeaks is a, a publication of a of a sort. Um, it's a it's a host for documents that have been brought out by whistleblowers. Uh, one of the big things that drew public attention was the uh, release of documents by Chelsea Manning uh, back in. 2010 uh in relation to u.s operations um and so but his assange's history of of sort of being seen as um you know a a rebellious figure go all the way back to the 90s he has an old charge in australia of of hacking 
Um, and, uh, he, he, he literally is, is listed as a, and I'm not joking about this, a cyberpunk activist. Um, so, you know, this whole idea of privacy enhancing technology, um, as a, as a means of political change and that sort of thing. So he's a real, um... So he's like Ant-Man. And that's why he's in jail. No. He is a... What's the best way to, I guess, put it? So he's not Robin Hooding here. He's just... He's not necessarily stealing from the rich and giving to the poor, but what he is doing is actively highlighting in pretty much every instance of what is on WikiLeaks, government misdeed. So he is the new Riddler. Um, I would say it's more akin to a Watergate. No, I mean, those guys didn't go to jail, though. No, and that's why it's a big deal. Well, I, I, I mean, I gathered from the film that it's all about, you know, the, the freedom of speech and, and what our rights truly are. Um, okay, and, and so... And the freedom of the press. That's what it is. Freedom mm-hmm. of the press. So with some of that, let's sort of backtrack. And so you come into a film, you have no concept of who he is. Let's start with a, a simple question. How did you feel the documentary did it explaining who Assange is? Or did you feel um, that you had to come in with a prior knowledge? I felt like having a prior knowledge would have been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's who they're speaking to is people who, you know, didn't apparently live under a rock when all of this was happening. Um, and has some kind of connection to the context, even if it's just the name. Um, without a face or, or deeds or anything. It's just the name itself because, gosh darn it, isn't it just so iconic? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think that having, having some, some prior knowledge of him would have been, would have been helpful. Um, especially, I just, I felt like for a lot of it, I was playing catch up. Mm-hmm. Because it is, it is very focused on like the dad and, like, the dad's just, like, day-in, day-out life while also, like, campaigning for, for Julian's freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of it and, – and, it, and then there's, like, the parts where it's, like, the interview. And the interview is, is talking about, you know, how far we are now and, like, how are you feeling at this point in it. And, like, this, it, it gives, like, brief moments, I would say, of, like, history. But, like, we don't go really too far back other than, like, explaining briefly um, – briefly who who julian is what where he's where he's from what he's known for and like basically like how we got here and like the nicest um elevator pitch that you could you could ever get you know it was pretty much a paragraph long but then we we it's it's a it's a um it's, it's an interesting character study i would say and that's the thing that i probably enjoyed the most out of it was 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 uh watching these people in this just extreme conditions, you know, just try and live a normal life, mm-hmm. you know, um, watching, watching the dad who, who has all of these just, you know, 
we never we never see like who who the mom of this child is. I just assume that he's kind of like one of those those people who have just had like multiple wives throughout the years to the point where like he probably has you know as, as many children as nick cannon does who knows yeah you know to the point where he's 76 and has a five-year-old you know it's crazy but then also has julian who's who's 55 who's 55 years old who's 50 years older than your youngest child that's 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 you know that's such a bonkers life to live or excuse me 51 oh well still 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 um no, and but then, it's still like a fifty-year difference. You yeah, know? Like and the then, point still fucking stands. Yeah, it's still mm. it's still just like a maddening amount of time and space. You know, you, people think that like me That's and my brother, two are, generations. Yeah, you know? you know, like Julian could have had kids at twenty years old, and then those kids could have had kids at twenty years old, and those kids' children would be the same age as your as your daughter. Yeah, as, at their as their great great grandfather. Yeah. Their their great great grandmother, is is a five year old. Isn't that nuts? Sorry, I, I digress. Um, but and then we and then we get to we we get to go into you know the life of his 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 fiance who's 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 basically known him on the fringe. The entire time, which I find fascinating as well. You know what is yeah the, she met the man on the ropes. You know like what is what is the draw like what I guess you know. Honestly, like, what were you were you expecting? You know, you victory. Just... But how long were you willing to wait for it? I know that you fall in love with who you fall in love with, but like, you've had two children with a man who you've never been able to live in the same house as, with a uh, who's who's basically been in 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 ho- on house arrest. Yeah, he was not there at the birth. I can't imagine. He's not been there for 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 any of the active raising of your children. For them, this person is a is a person in a photo. That's that's the life that you chose. And you know, house visits until recently. Yeah, of course. We're we're and this is just criminal treatment, honestly. Like this is this is inhumane. You know, regardless of how you feel about the person, unless he's fucking Hitler. This is this is ridiculous. And uh, those are the things that like I really grasped onto about this story not knowing any of like the true information about it was just kind of how cruel um policy can truly be you know um for for no reason and the fact is that at the end of the day this he didn't technically do anything wrong and that's the uh, you know i don't know anything about the the man the myth the legend you know um but uh, of personal details, but what from what I gathered, you know, at the end of the day, there are, there are people who are being treated way better for doing January sixth stuff, and I think that that is like very very hand in hand with this thing for me. You know, why is he getting like you know god tier treatment? When those people are getting like gluten free diets and iPads, yeah, he's he's getting biblical punishment. Yeah, he might as well be tarred and feathered and like hung in the streets. Let me tell you, um, based on you know the overall description of condition, um, uh, uh, Ed Kemper, 
is currently and having some of those prisoners back in the day when they were like fresh killers had more general freedom in the penitentiary than this guy than where julian assange is no they're making it seem like he has like a superpower or something like if he look like he's like a a professor xavier or something like he's gonna look at a laptop and he's gonna like hack it or something like it's it's juggernaut or mystique in the mobile prison in x-men 3 where they're like completely suspended by the body yeah constantly in motion they've locked him up better than we handled covid And I'm just, I'm just so confused as to why. So, um, I came into the movie with, uh, generally speaking, uh, kind of no opinion, I would say, on Assange. I did know that he was being held... Uh, you know, awaiting extradition and his most recent condition. I was familiar with the bandying about of his name as like a, a, a fucking radical. I knew that he was on the run. Um, you know, I knew a lot of these big main media talking points, you know, sort of about Assange. Um, I had never really done any probing further. Uh, you know, I had, I had done a little bit of investigation, but like nothing deep, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to any degree. Um, and generally speaking, I also did think that like everything that everyone was balking at Assange for, you know, being involved with like the, any of the leaks that came from WikiLeaks, I, at a certain point, generally hit an opinion that, um, it was good that that information was available, you know, because like, it's like the Abu Ghraib you know, report. It was critical information that we needed to know. Yeah, you were forcing the people to, to um, see it, whether they wanted to or not. Because, ultimately, one of the things that was a really pivotal tool about the thing that ended the Vietnam War was a direct lens on how gruesome and vicious and horrifying the Vietnam War was from live footage from, you know, war photography, uh, you know, the lens on Vietnam was a raw one. Mm -hmm. And it's 100% one of the things that brought the Vietnam War to a screeching halt. Um, Amongst many other things. Mm -hmm. With the war in the Middle East... Which, uh, you know, started the, the, the second, you know, uh, war over there. The second Gulf War. Um, you know, it was started under a false pretense. Uh, and it ended up escalating into this thing that became a really entrenched system that has included, you know, multiple accounts of horrible atrocity. And so in my opinion, since pretty much I would make the argument like right after the early days of the war, we really stopped covering it, you know, in a, in a, in a real, real brutal way 
Um, I remember, you know, like the, the early days of the war where you see like the, the nighttime footage of, of the shelling of Baghdad and that sort of thing. And, uh, pretty much all after that until we pull out of Afghanistan and it's the horrifying side of, you know, people fleeing the Taliban, you know, dropping from the planes. I feel like in a lot of that middle ground space, a lot of the reporting on what happened in the Middle East is very light-footed, shies away from a lot of things. And so generally speaking, whenever I heard about something, at a certain point whenever I heard about something that came up on WikiLeaks that highlighted some kind of, you know, negative thing that happened in the Middle East, I thought that it was fine to a degree because it was journalism and it was honest and it was showing a truth. Mm-hmm. Julian Assange was just sort of like a player in the background for me. It was like Rupert Murdoch. You know, the head of Fox, you know? He's just a guy with a platform. Yeah, yeah. The platform is doing the work. Whatever the the hell. They're the wizard behind the curtain. Exactly. And and we're we're playing pin the tail on the donkey. You know, whenever we talk about WikiLeaks, you know, like we're just... Julian Assange is just the quick... It's the scapegoat sort of name. It's the quick hand. Uh, and so for me, coming into this documentary, um, that was generally a lot of my background on it. I agree with you that it's more of an interesting character study on his father and on his fiance and the mother of his children than it is a documentary about him. Yeah, because, like, other than, like, his name being thrown around, like, we literally do not see him. And... To your point, I don't think that we do a good job of grounding the narrative in a history that truly leads to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that they wanted to potentially avoid some of that and try and create a human picture. But when we do touch then on some of the political themes of the film, which are very relevant, the fact that he is the only person of everyone involved in the things that he is being charged for. He's the only one being involved. There are multiple other people that could be charged. They're only charging one person. Um, And multiple people have come out and said that essentially this is a real uh, punch in the gut to the Whistleblower Act, right? Because the Whistleblower Act protects the whistleblower. But if we suddenly punish the publisher... Then, then the Whistleblower Act is undercut. Well, yeah, because then I don't want to, you know, why would I... I can't publish I, what the whistleblower says. I'm going to get fucked. Yeah, well, it's, it's literally what's happening with, with abortion rights right now. But we're not going to go there. Um, but it's, it's literally like, well, as a whistleblower, you know, why would I want to undermine somebody else in the pursuit of undermining, you know, it's, it, it feels like counterintuitive it feels like you're you're literally like cutting off your notes despite of your face exactly kind of deal and so there this is and you know the 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 government we can't we can't stress enough and and they do highlight the fact that this charge came specifically under the espionage act of 1917 1917 so we're talking about world war one relevant stuff Guys, we're still going by the old rules, like, that far? To charge him with espionage, which is the thing that elevated what once was an extradition for a five-year prison sentence, maybe more, 
to a 100-plus prison year sentence. They're going to bury him under the jail if he is extradited. And here's the thing. He is, a, he is an even more embattled figure, you know, because of, you know, some of his background with the sexual misconduct allegations. But the problem is now Julian Assange, because people have inflated him and conflated him yeah. with this issue, you've got a person who maybe is a bad person at times. I'll say this. He is a complicated figure. Mm-hmm. You have a complicated figure who has maybe done misdeed, who is now also wrapped up in this entire issue whereby he's almost the perfect scapegoat. Do you really want to let the morally ambiguous man off the hook? He's almost a perfect scapegoat for this kind of treatment, for this kind of punishment, for this kind of point-making Because he isn't a martyr. He isn't a Martin Luther King. He isn't this sort of squeaky clean image that people have. People have a very shaped opinion of who he is. And so to a degree, you know, he is this this sort of person. And what I thought was really interesting about the movie is that they did choose to dance around a lot of that. And it did humanize him. But I'm not sure that it brought the importance and the power of some of the struggle to the situation. Well, I think that that's really interesting as well. You know, uh, folding in all of the parts of who who he is as a person. Um, let's say that let's say that you know if he's not good, he's not bad. He's just neutral. You know, if we're willing to say that like this person who is like just like an eh person, just like on the books, mm-hmm. you know. Who, who has done a lot of good things and, like, a lot of bad things. Just neutral. They balance out. Yeah. But we're willing to, to, to go, you know, hand over fist to make a point here. But, like, people literally, with guns, went into our capital. Mm-hmm. And, like, I guess because somebody is on their side... They're not public enemy number one, but because nobody apparently is on Julian's side, like, this is the easiest thing to do, mm-hmm. which is just so perplexing to me. I really wish that people, here's the thing, even if I, even if I wish this documentary had given more context, even if I wish that this documentary had dug a little deeper, had gone certain other directions. Here's what I will say ultimately at the end of the day. It is a really powerful portrayal of, to a degree, what it is like to live with, not, you know, to a degree, exactly what it is like to live with an incarcerated person. Yeah, on maximum scale, you know? And I think that it truly, if anything, you know, it, it... it draws attention to Julian's underlying cause for sure, which is truth, freedom, freedom of media, all of that. But to a certain degree, I almost think that this movie is a better documentary about 
injustice of the incarceral system. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. No, it, it drove me nuts hearing all of the absolute batshit things that were happening to him. And like his family just having to say it like over fucking toast. Mm-hmm. You know, like this was just a normal day for them just being like, yeah, you know, you Julian know, they, they only got 30 minutes outside today. You know, they've, they've put him on suicide watch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just an average Monday for us here in, in England or wherever the hell they live. Um, it's just. What do you mean? No, it's, it's a real gut punch. Um, and it, it reminds me of there's a there's a story of and I can't remember the, the prisoner's name, but he was a he was a man, you know, he alleged his false conviction, you know, all the way up until um, the end. And right around the time that he was potentially going to be, you know, overturned, he died in prison. Like, just so cruel and then and then we have some people you know in 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 with the with the the silver spoons shoved down their goddamn throats you know getting getting to to walk out with 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 fancy bracelets you know at the at the bare minimum but they could just pay their bail and be and be and be home free and and how does that make you know there's them nothing any better? about there's nothing about the system that is about reform no there's nothing about the system it is a when it is truly, especially, when it is truly weaponized to its fullest, it is a form of making a point. It's hell. And it's so that way other people look and go... I don't want that. I'm going to straighten up and fly, right? So that that way I don't want to be... I don't want to be that. Not to spoil the documentary, I don't know if you'll ever get the chance to see it. Like, I don't know if it'll ever get beyond the point of touring shows. If you get the chance to see it, please do see it. Yes. Uh, but the end of the documentary, or not the end of the documentary, but a point, a part of the documentary, uh, the UN officially convened on his condition at Belmarsh. Oh. Uh, well, and, and, you know, it's the guy who talks about how he came into it skeptical mm, mm -hmm. of how Julian, this character that he had been shown. Yeah. Yeah. This myth. And he had to, he talks about in the documentary, how he had to set aside his notion of who Julian was and look at Julian's conditions. And the ultimate step away was that they were. Uh, a civil rights violation. Yes. That they were criminal. They, yes, yes, yes. And so a, a UN committee has convened and condemned the way that he is currently being treated. And so, again, if this documentary is a great portrait of anything, I'm not sure it's some of the things that the man stands for so much as it is a branding of how punitive the system can be. Just... Just, and, and really, how, how does this make us any different than, than the past that we love to, to tote so much, you know? How does this make us any different than what happened during, during the Holocaust, you know? What, what on earth makes this any different than, than, than the treatment of, of, of Japanese Americans, you know? What? 
it doesn't there's there's no justifying right for treating anybody like this solitary confinement is proven to cause active mental harm to the people subjected to it long-term solitary confinement is a form of torture yes solitary confinement for a night after a fight that's one thing or if you're having an episode that's one thing but long-term solitary confinement is a form of torture it is punitive and it is actively harmful to the people that end up undergoing that experience yes because no human can exist in isolation if you don't believe me strip away everything that you have go to the only room in your house that has a light but no windows you know tuck your phone away everything and get someone that you love to uh, sit outside and lock you in that closet or whatever the hell. And and put food out and open the door so you can grab it and don't get to see anybody and just close that right back up. And tell me how long you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it sounds wonderful. Mm, it's maddening. It's and absolutely so, maddening. Um, also, though, if I think that I truly had to cite the documentary for a fault and I don't necessarily blame the fault because it is a human fault. One of the other reasons that it does have to hold back on, I think a certain journey or a certain trajectory about who Julian is, is ultimately the fact that the father is unwilling to interrogate his own past and his own relationship with Julian. Well, yeah, you know, I, 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 I think that that's completely fair. Seeing how like, When he gets confronted about even the idea of talking about what their past used to be, that man barks at the idea. Yeah, because also the fact that, like, you know, we get blips of it. You know, we know for a fact that Julian's father was not there for, like... For whatever reason, for whatever context... 90% of Julian's life. Yeah, they were not involved together. At all. Period. Dot the end. Like, so why, I, I, I figured that that's why they don't have the same last name. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but that's also, you know, that, that to me explains why this is also the man that has a five-year-old child at 76 years old. You know, this, the, all of these things check out for me. But also to a degree, I guess, perhaps that explains why Julian even has children in this crazy situation you know for him what is it oh my god we can speculate we can this is a little speculative but i think that the documentary where because john does refuse to Mm -hmm. interrogate and go further into the past between he and julian and how that might relate to the the future and the present Mm -hmm. you know he likes to act like they're unrelated Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry, but there's absolutely zero way. Oh, God. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. Um, Just 
Just truly. But you get something in the blank spaces. Mm-hmm. If you read between in the, the lines. In the silence. In this, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in the unspoken space. There's a lot space. of context in between these points. Yes, 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 yes. His, you know, the, the choices that are made in this film are, are truly fascinating. And, and, and they're so subtle as well. You know, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of things that totally are just something that we ended up catching on film. You know, yeah. which which was like this interview moment that is they could have they could have taken that out. Yeah. But they chose to to show the the honesty, the the truth of of who these people are, even in even through this filtered lens. Mm-hmm. No, I um I completely agree. Um so if you had to rate it out of five, what would you give Ithaca? Uh, I'm gonna give Ithaca a three. I'm gonna give Ithaca a three. Okay. Um, I think that for for I I really enjoyed this this documentary for what it was for you. Know, that's you know always what you you go into a documentary and to to experience you know a window into life. And and at the end of the day, that's that's exactly what this was. It was it was it was not what I was expecting. It was way more dramatic. It was almost like a modern day soap opera. And I was I was hooked watching it. But also I felt like it was missing a lot of for me, a lot of information that would have helped ground me in the 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 feeling the emotional, you know impact of what was going on for these people. Mm-hmm. Um the scenes about emotionality. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just hated the, the like five seconds blip back to his, his, his childhood. You know, not even his like college time. Like when he started this whole thing, it's like a, here we are. You know, and I, I just, for me, I felt like that was just almost like worse. Mm-hmm. You know, you might as well have just not told me anything. Um. Yeah, I think that I think that I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give Ithaca a three. I think that that's fair. I'm going to give it. Um, I'm going to give it a three and a half. Okay. Um, I think that Ithaca. Is primarily setting out to do what I think it does best, which is highlight how inhumane his treatment is, how ridiculous the espionage charge... Actually, no, I'm going to pull back on that part. What I think it does best is I think that it highlights how inhumane his treatment is, how there is definitely greater abuses at play, Mm-hmm. And I think that it does, again, create a very real portrayal of, like I said, the, the punitive nature of the justice system at its worst. Yes. 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 And that's, that's like, not the thesis statement of the film. Where I think that it gets muddy is in truly uh, overall landing some of the threat to uh, publications because I don't know that they truly ground because we're missing some context at the beginning of the story Mm -hmm. 
and we don't necessarily really dive deep, deep into it. We do this Cliff Notes version. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I think that because of that, it does end up keeping some of the documentary from... It almost could have been a a series, you know, or a two-parter story. But I think that it was critical to have some of that context that they were probably rightfully certain would also not get them platformed. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, though, I recommend the hell out of it. And I loved it. Even though I think that it has flaws and I don't think that it's perfect, it was very emotionally effective. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. I thought that this was, um, I was heartbroken at the the end of this thing that they, you know, we were still almost in, like, where we started. You know, we, we watched this whole entire documentary, and that's the, the life of documentaries, mm-hmm. is because it is real life. You don't get to, you know, pick at the 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 right chords that'll that'll make your if you're left with the ending whatever the ending is if if the ending is is shit congratulations like that's the ending of the story yeah yeah and this one was kind of shitty you know it was like we're 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 still fighting the good fight wormwood yeah 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 no um oh that documentary that you you showed to my parents um about about the twins yeah, three identical strangers, the triplets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that. That one was a whoo at the right at the end there, really biting. Um, yeah, it it starts so playful, so sweet, so summer, and it ends so winter. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, you realize that it is a really twisted thing that they were doing back in those days. Um, but that's kind of how you know this feels. You know, I think that it 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 hits that right like. Jesus, we're still we're still doing this, you know. We're we're three years later, and we're we're still nowhere any we're nowhere closer. You know, you would you would hope in in an ideal, I guess, scenario that that some some leverage, some leeway would happen here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that to your point, yes, it does a very good job of letting you sit in that. Yeah. No, for sure. And um, I'll never be an apologist, you know, for for any of Julian Assange's legitimate misdeeds. But at the end of the day, if you root for, you know, someone to be, people can be in prison, rightfully so. But if you root for the active mistreatment of a prisoner, that's no good. Yeah. Um, and and he is, at the very best, a gray character. Yeah, no, that's totally fair, you know. Um, but that does not mean that he is not devoid of, you know, humanity and human treatment. And also, the Espionage Act being deployed in this way is diabolical. Oh, yeah, this is supervillain shit right here. Um, this is real life. And, and, and truly, you know, any, any prisoner facing, any prisoner facing, any charge facing inhumane treatment is, as I just said, inhumane. Inhuman. Um... And so that's sort of my final thoughts on Ithaca. Uh, good movie. Truly, if you can see it, see it. Um, 
come to it with as open a mind as you can. I know that Julian Assange is not a white knight to root for, but I think the documentary creates a compelling picture. Yeah. Um, and if anything, it's a really interesting character study. Again, minimum, it's a fascinating character study on a father and son relationship and its strange effects. Oh, yeah. And just seeing the, the difference, honestly, you know, seeing the man on the film mm-hmm. and then seeing him in person. Yeah. After this time had passed as well. And just like the, the just the toll, I'm sure that this entire thing takes on him like he was. He had aged even more. I was yeah. I was shocked to see the this like crumbling. He's figure. a little he's a little tough looking at fifty one right now. Mm. He's not a healthy looking fifty one. Oh, I mean his dad. Oh shit! Sorry. No, no, you're okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, no. Seeing seeing a, a current picture of Julian was hard. Hot damn! Did I I really misread who the hell you were talking? No, about? I mean I mean literally seeing like his father in person. You know. The, oh after, yes. After the, yes, the yes. film, you know how how much his 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 character had had shifted had mm-hmm. had sunken. Almost. Oh my god. So we do have to briefly, before we do our micro-review, we do have to briefly talk about the Q&A. <laughs> the Q&A. So we were the youngest people, as said, at, the, at that Q&A. Yeah. Um, one, of the, the, one of the people to speak was a, a man named uh, uh, Roy, I believe, who has been involved with uh, the state, the government. He was former CIA. Uh, and you know he's a, he's a, a part of the the fight. He's a long-standing member, and so he got to make sort of more of a comment than a question. Um, however, the the second person to speak was then a woman who who, bless her. In in the truest of, good nature intention. Asked these people to sing a song. For for Julian. And. After the description of her of his father that I just gave of the man that was that was sinking into the stage and was just at a certain point just just rambling, you know, she told this man to sing. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was it was it was a wonderfully awkward moment to experience in person. Uh, so let me tell you. If you ever find yourself with a with an opportunity to go to a, a Q and A and you go. I don't know. It sounds like it might be boring. Please go because oh it's God. important, and clearly the only people going to them are old. Oh, and like, <laughs> and and I do not want to undersell how old these people were. Um, we are. When I say I, I am thirty, I are, am thirty we are even. Thirty years old, and these people were eighty-five to sixty-five of of just way older than us. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, a lot of the people who had things to say were of the 85 category. Yeah. Uh, so. amazing. You know, these things may not necessarily always sound, I guess, the most engaging. But they're really interesting opportunities. They are worth your time. And if you engage with the film and meditate with the film, by the time you hit the Q&A, you also might have a question that is better than asking someone to sing. That's the best way to end this. <laughs> that was beautiful. Uh, 
And so with that said, I now want to move on to our final part of the night, which is a micro-review of John Wick Chapter 4 and Creed 3. Okay. I have a great plan for it. Okay, fantastic. Tell me your plan. Each person will have five minutes to speak on each film. Oh, okay. So we will do ten minutes per film. Uh, I'm sorry, dear listener. It's It's an additional 20 minutes from here. But that's kind of my idea. Okay. So, since um, we did Ithaca, do we want to now do Creed 3 or John Wick Chapter 4? Um, let's do... Let's, let's leave John Wick for last. Okay. Let's do Creed 3. Um, since you started, uh, I guess that I will do this one first. Just beforehand, I will still give it a little bit of the film buds treatment. Okay. This is Creed 3. It was released this year, earlier this month. Uh, The premise is Adonis has been thriving in both his career and family life, but when a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy resurfaces, the face-off is more than just a fight. It is directed by Michael B. Jordan. It is written by Keegan Kugler, Zach Balin, and Ryan Kugler. And it stars Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, Felicia Rashad, Mila Davis-Kent, and the now currently embattled Jonathan Majors. Um, So, with that said, I suppose that I shall begin with the disclaimer, of course, that um, I cannot further comment at this particular moment on anything related to Jonathan Majors. Um, We, of course, here at the Film Buds always stand with the victims, and... uh, Whatever comes will come, and um, the entire thing is an absolute tragedy, uh, because humans should be good to humans. So, with that said, let's jump into Creed 3. Woo! Ding, ding, ding. I fucking love the Creed movies. Yeah! Um, I love the Rocky movies, I love movies, and good art makes me cry. Um, good art, literally, it doesn't have to be sad. If it's just good enough in a particular moment, I'll just cry. Because I'll be like, God damn, this is some good ass art. Um, And that hits me all the time with the Creed franchise. Um, But they they truly do always ring their emotional moments to the absolute best. And I think that that is something that goes back to the original Rocky films. You know, even even the first Rocky with the parts that are a little rocky. Um... When it really wants to hit an emotional note, it hits it. You know, it hits it like a drum. Um, And I think the Creed movies are beautiful movies. Um, I love Adonis Creed as character. I love Michael B. Jordan's performance. Uh, I love his chemistry with Tessa Thompson. This is one of my favorite Tessa Thompson roles. This is a great chance for Felicia Rashad. Uh, And I, I, I adore the entire Creed franchise. Creed 3, I came into it a little bit nervous. I will be frank about that, because even though there were a lot of positive reviews and that sort of thing, actor-directors are tough, and acting and directing at the same time is tougher. And then you're making it an action-oriented part, where you're going to be boxing and this sort of thing. But I think that he does the smart thing 
of couching his boxing toward the end of the movie. So that way he can focus on only really having to direct his emotional performance for a large part of the film. Mm, that's interesting. Um, because you're bouncing back between your daily and your filming. And so then he really got to honestly just sort of pass off, I think, a lot of the filming of the action stuff to the people that had already plotted out the action. Okay. And I think that that's one of the strengths of the movies. Um, it is visually more interesting than Creed 2, still not as visually engaging all the time as Creed 1. Ryan Coogler just knows how to move a fucking camera around. Um, Jordan, though, knows how to shoot a fight better than Creed 2. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely because of some of the anime influence, which I thought was absolutely breathtaking in the film, not just in the visuals, but also in the narrative. And he didn't do it in an inauthentic, hokey, cheesy way of like, oh, it's an anime. But like, you can see it and you can feel it and it's there. Um, and I think that that's really one of the strong points of the movie. Um, Majors's villain is astounding. When he first gets into the ring and he is attacking the one guy and he just zeroes in on the arm as his target, I was like, this is a fucking villain. You know, I was, this, I was swept up in how truly wicked he felt um, in a way that struck me similar to Thanos, to, uh, uh, to Darth Vader. Um, he was a bad guy, you know, he was the black hat of the fight. Um, and I think that the performance grounded that fully. He felt like a wholly rounded person. Uh, I adore that this movie, again, didn't do sequelitis of dropping off any particular plot points. They picked them up and they carried them further. Um, and the music is bitchin' as always. Uh... Also, of course, the final fight, you know, our climactic fight, is one of the most visually inventive, creative, exciting, cool, wild, surreal things that has ever been put into a sports movie, ever. Uh, And uh, everyone looked hot. Everyone looked good. And you know me, if, if people look sexy on film with dramatic lighting, I'm there for it. Uh, I really can't recommend Creed 3 enough. Uh, definitely dad approved. My father-in-law loved it. Uh, my father-in-law walked out with a smile on his face and going, that was a good movie. And so for him, it was perfect. That was a great film. Top 10. (laughs) Uh, and so it's, it's, it's father approved. Um, I really definitely do recommend seeing it on as big a screen as you possibly can, because some of those shots just are absolutely unbelievable. Uh, and it, it brought me to tears multiple times, and that is my time. Woo! One second to spare! All right. <laughs> you do not have to take the full five minutes if you do not want to. Okay, okay, okay. But we'll, it is we'll a five-minute window. We'll, we'll see where the, where the wind takes me. All right, all right. Know, and, and we shall reset the time. And now, dear, your thoughts on Creed Three. I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I think that for me, um, Creed 1 is probably still my favorite Fair. of the of the Creed franchise. But this one is definitely the second, second runner-up. Um, I agree with what you said about um, actor-directors. It can be very distracting 
to to make yourself the the lead person in a film and and also direct yourself it's 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 next to impossible because frankly you will have to be running back and forth to to check out the the shots each time and that's going to take you out unless you're going to do like 50 takes or something and then be like all right let me see what i did later but then god forbid you have to do another take you know like literally you know so so i i completely agree this could have been a disaster but i think that i i i also agree with what you said the fact that he brought himself out of the film by making himself you know in retirement he he was allowed to to really focus on on you know uh on the the other components of the the film you know the the idea of of creating a, a legacy of his own as well you know with this new fighter and then the, the the bringing up the past you know this this trudging up of of this this unhealed wound that that um and this i think this i think that this franchise really does a great job at looking at male trauma um and i that maybe maybe that's controversy i don't know um but i think that this film does a lot of interesting things when it comes to because our main characters are always men and so you know we have to have our our, our act breaks in the in the certain form of that we are we have come accustomed to with watching films um and i think that you know we we still have to have our, our act breakup and whatnot and our drama that's ensued in there and i think that the when we when we focus it not on a female perspective we have to change what is the the things that become dramatic and the and the ways that it becomes dramatic and i love the fact that at the end of this film we got two men who were who were delving into the things that were toxic about their past in a negative light and it was bringing out the worst parts of them and talks about an, an unresolved issue that they had with each other yeah exactly exactly you know this and though the fact that i i loved the you know um tessa thompson's character over here as like the the loving wife like really like actively looking at adonis and being like Get your head out of your ass and tell me what's wrong. If you don't want to tell me, and that is fine, but you have to tell somebody because we can't live like this anymore because we are on the edge. And I think that that's great. I think that those are great stakes because also it is showing that not only is our, our villain character, uh, you know, having a hard time doing bad things, but also our hero is also, you know, having a having a negative reaction to what's going on that we all have these these goods and these bads in us and the fact that at the end they end up yeah sure they end up fighting it out you know they they fight out their trauma but then they have this nice chat at the end where it's like something that you don't get to see on film very often from men from male characters is is a willingness to um have a heart as well in there especially when it comes to 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 the portrayals that we have of of black men you know we have it it's very very hard um, and I think that this does a really good job of dancing on both lines of what that is, you know, what it, what it, what it means to, to be the hard black man, but also to be the family man as well. And to, to balance these two different worlds. Um, this is Tessa Thompson's best performance in the franchise. She is killing it in this film. She is fantastic. I'm, and, and I, it's, it's because of the fact that she is going through her own emotional, um, journey this entire film like so so back burner to to what adonis is going to going through but that's because of the fact that we are stuck in his perspective the entire time and he is not seeing his wife and so therefore we are not either and then he he confronts her with this moment of being like oh you know you you it comes so easy to you and she gets to you'd be like no it doesn't you just aren't seeing what i am doing to cope with 
the changes that that are happening in my life. And I truly, I, I think that that's probably for me the the strengths of this film are are the the emotional um, journey of these characters that we've come so far with, and and the fact that you know even though Adonis is our lead, he still has so much more to learn from from not only you know boxing but also but also you know his his family and and from himself. And I, I, I truly, I truly enjoyed the hell out of this film. I would, I would highly recommend watching it, um, even if you're, even if you're not into sports or whatever. <laughs> Time, excellent job, dear. Three Thanks. seconds to spare. Thank you. All right. Next up, uh, also, actually, I will add one other thing. Um, Creed One is also, I agree, my favorite. Um, but I also agree with you about, like, this, you know, un- unpacking this sort of toxic perspective, um, you know, and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, her coming and telling him to pull it together, yeah, brings it to very personal stakes, and it also heightens the villain as an influence, because now he's affecting the home life. Exactly. You know, um... Also, I will say this as, as just one more last thing. And I did not miss Rocky. Oh, I was very oh. glad with where we left him at the end of 2. Yes, that's a great And I point. was curious if I would miss him. And at the end of the day, I was really happy knowing that he was off and we being had, we had, happy. Yeah, and we had fully passed the torch on to Adonis. I was truly... No, yeah. it, it made me feel good. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, whatever... What they're doing with the, the, the new Creed... with the, with, with With Rocky's legacy, baby, it's perfect. It's perfect. I have no notes for this. More like this. Yeah, exactly. With every franchise that you want to bring back. More like this. the story moving forward. Mmm. Yes. Momentum. Yes. Um... So with that said, now let's move into John Wick Chapter 4. We shall be doing the same thing. John Wick Chapter 4 came out this last weekend. Uh, It was directed by Chad Stileski. It is written by Shea Hatton, Michael Finch, and Derek Kolstad. The premise is John Wick uncovers a path to defeating the high table. But before he can earn his freedom, Wick must face off against a new enemy with powerful alliances across the globe and forces that turn old friends into foes. And it stars Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Clancy Brown, Ian McShane, Marco Zarar, Bill Skarsgård, Donnie Yen, Hiroyuki Sanada, Rina Sawayama, Shamir Anderson, and the late, the great, the one, the only, Lance Reddick. And with uh, that said, dear, it's now your five minutes. Okay. A la cuisine! <laughs> Fantastic. Woo! What to say about John Wick 4? Um, I walked into this film really excited. I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna go and do and do it all again and it's gonna be great. And I walked out of this film going, wow, we did it all again and it was pretty mid. <laughs> um, 
I feel the exactly opposite about this film that I felt about Creed 3. I felt like Creed 3 had a lot of, like, great emotional impact. I felt like this movie had literally none. Um, I felt like, you know, where, where Creed was like, you know, oh, we're gonna leave the action for these pivotal points. This movie was gangbangers. It was literally, like, just constant just just throwing it at me at the point where my eyes were were physically tired of watching people die and I just wanted a break for a second that was something more than watching a character come onto screen for five minutes. Talk about minutes some rule. And then leave and never come back again. And then we we did that so many times over where I was like oh this is an interesting character plot. Oh there they go. Oh, look at this over here. It was like going through a video game where I was the protagonist that doesn't speak. And I had levels. And once those levels were done, they were done. And that was it. And it just, it made, you know, the the point where we get to, you know, at the end of this film with John just mean absolutely nothing. Because at the, uh, I couldn't follow the journey. Because instead of having, you know, active people talking about what's going on in this weird, complicated world that they've built, you know, they just they just forced me to go, you should have did your homework and written down all of the rules of the of the of the watchman crew or whatever the hell they're called, you know, and and come into this ready for Keanu to grunt and shoot people like a like a like a good action hero do. And I just, we, we like try talking to your parents about it. And like, for me, I just, I just don't get it. I don't get the appeal, you know, like I felt like there was so much breath between actual scenes. Like you could have gone to the bathroom, you know, gotten popcorn, gotten a new, another beer and come back and that action scene would have still not ended. So I guess, you know, this is another dad approved film. Hmm. of a different caliber though you know this is this is this is all of the action none of the drama we we even bring back his wife as like a very throwaway like i want to be a good husband we don't even have new flashbacks we are still you know just just wash and repeat on the same flashbacks of that chick from Blue Bloods who did those film did that flashback like 10 years ago or whenever the first John Wick film was and never had to come back again. They have no chemistry, they never have, and they keep playing this 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 action hero violin, you know? Like this is this is like, you know, in Westworld where they all have um cornerstones. They've got their thing that they that they fight for the thing that drives their entire life that's that's his wife she's not real she's just an implanted memory we've seen the footage you know ad nauseum and just i've i felt like this was the 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 worst um of them and i felt like this was the worst keanu i've seen in a really long time um but boy howdy did it have some killing in it it had some great kills in it. It had so many great kills in them. I can't even give you a specific one at this moment. Um, if that's all you have, that's. Oh fine. yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm good. I think I'm. I think <laughs> okay. I've railed it enough. Okay. <laughs> all right. 
Before I actually want to talk about this movie, I actually want to talk about some other movies. First of all, action movies typically have this tradition of the first movie being this incredible, awesome, kick-ass thing whereby the time that you hit the end of it, you're wondering what the fuck happened to that character that I fell in love with. And John Wick has fallen prey to that. So I guess congratulations, you're just like every other action franchise. Whereby, once upon a time, you were something and then you stopped being something. You look at Die Hard, the first Die Hard... It's a man. It's a man who runs across glass and has cut up feet. And, you know, he's he's fighting against a horde of 12. And it's high stakes and it's personal stakes because at the end of it, what's at stake? His marriage. It's not actually a life and death thing. It's, it's his marriage that's at stake. He has to succeed here because he has to save his marriage. Yes. So then you look at Rambo, you know, the first Rambo movie. He's a, he's a Vietnam vet, and he's homeless, and he's being terrorized by the police. You look at the first Terminator movie. Terminator's the bad guy. Um, so often, we do this thing of introduce them as X, and then shit happens in between Y and Z, and, and by the end of it, it's, it's, it's no longer anything like the character that you know. For me, that's John Wick right now. There was this world that had rules, but they were pretty simple. They were maybe a little broad, but they were simple. There's a hotel. There's a contract system. You don't kill on hotel ground. And that's kind of it. Yeah. And then they started going into more and more and more lore and this world-building stuff that at a certain point... I really profoundly stopped giving any kind of rat shit about. Um, because they were making it up as they went, and you could feel it. It was pasted on, and it started with the bad Italian in the marker, John. And, and, and it's just gotten worse ever since. And, and we went from the bad Italian to now Bill Skarsgård doing the worst French accent that you ever did fucking here. What French accent? And... Ultimately, I agree with you. Like, I went nose blind to the action, and I love action. I adore action. You know me. Love me a good action movie. Mission Impossible Fallout, incredible experience cinematically. It's not that it's a long movie. We saw Avatar uh, The Way of Water two times in theaters. Yeah, on uncomfortable chairs. And every bit of that movie is far more impactful. Literally every single drop of that movie is far more impactful. And all of the action is memorable. Uh Top Gun Maverick, far more memorable film. Yeah. Um this movie truly hits a point of just going nose blind to it. We go in the final climactic moment from uh, a street fight to a building fight to a street chase, to the Arc de Triomphe circus, to stairs, to falling downstairs, to fighting back upstairs. And literally I hit a point where I, I, I knew that we were hitting the end of the film. And when I realized that we had the staircase to go to get to the end of the movie, I was like, God damn it, we've got another action sequence. And I was furious that we had more action before the final fight. One of the reasons that samurai movies are really good is they don't fuck about. Yeah, no, you slice somebody, they're dead, we move on. And we have scenes between them. Mm-hmm. And this movie has, my mom did the math, a death a minute. 
for two hours, 45 minutes. That's how much fucking action happens in this movie. And I love action, but you can drown in it. And if you want a great example of a revenge story that plays out better than this shit, look at fucking Kill Bill. Yes. Where we set up the stakes of it's a simple revenge movie, and then at the end of it, we reveal that her revenge plot is entirely different now. And the problem is, John's revenge plot got fucking lost. John is no longer a character anymore in any meaningful way. And so when we hit the end of this movie, what happens to John doesn't matter anymore because who is he anymore? To your point, they talk about Helen. Fuck her. She doesn't matter. Them trying to tack on that any of this shit is about his wife anymore is honestly fucking laughable. John likes killing. And if that's the point of the movie, I'm not sure if they missed it or if I missed it or what the fuck happened. Woo! One second to spare. <laughs> um, I just want to. I just want to add really quick. Sure. Um, you you mentioned like after we watched this film that it it reminded you of playing video games in the sense of like the slog of trying to like get through a horde a hordes on hordes of enemies, and that's exactly what this was. This they were faceless, nameless hordes of enemies, and not in a good way. No, no, not in a good way. Because the good way version of that is watching the let's put some bang on it fucking whalers get fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had faces and we had emotional uh, responses to they were their deaths. Bad dudes. Exactly, exactly. We knew who we were rooting for. This was just like a, this was John versus a bunch of people in black suits. Yeah, this sucked. Yeah, and also everyone essentially had John Wick powers, so it was also even harder to. Care, and this is also where I started to get concerned back in movie two when they introduced the bulletproof suits. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> I was like, this is actively fucking stupid. You were, you were painting yourself into a corner. That was the first thought that ran through my head was, congratulations, you have painted yourself into a fucking corner. Nope, nope, and they did it. And they walked right on in and they sat right down. <laughs> So, uh, no, uh, generally speaking, in my opinion, I can't recommend John Wick 4. Go and see Creed 3 instead. Go and see Creed 3 instead, indeed. Honestly, of the, of the films that we have reviewed that you can watch in theaters right now. Go and see Creed 3. Go and see Creed 3. It's, it's I really, I, I can't in good consciousness recommend John Wick 4. I'm sorry, I really can't. I, I truly did not like it. Yeah, no, I, I, mm. Mm, I've got opinions. It's bad. <laughs> yes. Yes, to, to put it quite bluntly, <laughs> it is it is bad. It is a bad film. Sorry, I don't understand these people that are giving it, like, master class ratings. I really profoundly, from the bottom of my stomach, hear me. I mean... Do not fucking get it. No, all I... They, they really enjoyed watching Lawrence Fishburne run through the sewers being like... And doing his, his best fucking audition for Shakespeare. Christ, I wish I could turn off my brain like that. You know, they said, God, look at him act. Keanu Reeves said 380 words. It's about 40 grand a word. You know what? Actually, go and watch that fucking movie. No, stop it. And stop then it. go and tell me if it was worth 40 grand a word from no, Keanu. No, I, I said that he was a grunting protagonist. Mm. And that's pretty much all he did. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> <sighs> he's, 
he's basically just become Clint Eastwood. And I love Keanu, and he needs to, much like Tom Cruise once he's finally done with action movies, they both need to go and do, like, actual character work again. Yeah, both of you need to do Wes Anderson. Do something fucking weird. Go forth. Vanish, my child. (laughs) Ugh. But, I guess with all that said, the only other stuff that we have seen since then, Scream 6, good, liked more than 5, Cream. Um, what else have we seen since then? Things. Honestly, um, we haven't watched terribly much. No, no, we've been we've been going through um Futurama currently. Um that's that's excellent been, stuff. I've never seen it. Yeah, no, this is this is this is a person who's watched it thousands of times with a person who's watching it for the first time. This is this is fun. This is a fun reversal for us. Yeah, we've never really done something like this, something that you're like hyper familiar with, something that I have nothing to grab onto. No, no, it's great. Dude, yeah. I'm I'm fighting quoting this thing so hard so that way I can give you like a, an authentic experience. I, I appreciate it. I yeah. truly do. You know, but you know me. Like, I'll sing a whole musical song. It don't matter. Um, beyond that, I don't have really anything else that I have to say to y'all. Um, fuck Funko. Oh my God. Yeah. Stop buying Mondo. Aw, yeah. Welcome to Vice Press. Yeah. Go and find other places as well. Go and find individual artists, commission work, do insane shit. But at the end of the day, fuck Funko. Don't buy a pop. And unfortunately, don't buy another Mondo product. You know why? Because they decided that film shit doesn't matter. So... Are you going to actually explain to the people what happened, or are you just going to tell them that? Oh, uh, they laid off, like, half the staff and destroyed $36 million worth of hard merchandise. There we go, people. There we go. Including two of the co-founders of Mondo. Yeah. So there you have it. Um, and that's all that I have for y'all. Fantastic. Fantastic. Dear, what about you? Um... I'm really enjoying watching Futurama. Um, that's that's what that's what I've got for the people. Have a have a good one. Have a enjoy the enjoy the spring through all the the allergies if you can if you could muster it. Um, and and we'll we'll see you next time here on on the film buds. Ciao. Bye. Bye.